0: setting up systems and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Mira revolved Dieters is a speech language pathologist in private practice in Dallas, Texas. In this episode, she talks about how she started her private practice and how she stands out from other practices in her area through smart positioning of herself and her services. Mira offers in-home and online concierge speech therapy services for both children and adults. If you're thinking about starting a private practice in a larger city, Mira is a great example of someone who has broken into a bigger market and is poised for tremendous growth this year. Enjoy the interview. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice System. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life, and finally get the freedom flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place. So let's get started. You may have heard me talk about the old way and the new way of thinking about private practice and being in private practice. And I talked about this a lot because there are a lot of myths and old conceptions about private practice. For example, the old way of thinking is to wait until later in your career until you're an air quotes expert versus starting now and building your expertise as you build your practice. Another old way of thinking is that you need to have five or $10,000 or more saved up before you start your practice. The reason why people think this is because they are trying to compare their beginning private practices to already established private practitioners who have the brick and mortar spaces, have the employees and materials closets filled with assessments and therapy resources. But the reality is that you can get started for less than $150 by focusing on paying for essential startup costs and legal protections first, and then rolling your private practice profits into higher ticket items. This is how I teach students in the Start Your Private Practice program how to be profitable from the beginning versus starting in debt or waiting until you've paid off your debt to start your practice. In fact, private practice earnings is a big way that many of my students are paying off their debt and starting to build up savings and accumulate wealth much earlier than they ever could have imagined. Today's episode focuses on another new way to be in private practice, which is to think of your, air quotes, competitors in your area as collaborators and referral partners instead. The old way to have a private practice is to do a ton of external marketing, build a huge wait list, and to be competitive with other practices. This is scarcity mindset thinking, that there are only so many clients to go around. And now that I'm saying this, I realize that that might have been the case back then. But now, for better or worse, there are many more people who need our services and still not enough places for them to get therapy. Let's say that you're an SLP who sees kids with dyslexia and learning differences. When you get a referral for a feeding client or a fluency, you may not feel fully equipped to see them. So you tell that client about one of your trusted friends who happens to be another private practice in the area, one that others might think of as a competitor, but they're not because they serve feeding and fluency kids and you don't. Then when that practice gets a referral for dyslexia, guess who they call? You. This is part of the abundance mindset, which is a much better way to operate a business. This way, the clinics and the client both get what they need. Collaboration over competition is the new way to operate a private practice. In the episode that you're about to hear, Mira has demonstrated her commitment to collaboration over competition, even though she lives in a big city with a lot of air quotes, competitors. You'll learn how she's differentiated herself and her practice, as well as how she's created a referral network for students in Start Your Private Practice who are living in Texas to be able to share referrals with each other. These are the kind of people that our program attracts, givers, are committed to their own success, but not at the expense of their peers. People who join our program want everyone to be successful. So let's learn how Mira has become successful in her private practice, which at the time of this recording was just celebrating her first year. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Sure. My name is
1: Mira Ravel Dieters. I'm in Houston, Texas. And the name of my practice is Super
0: Speech Solutions. I am so excited, everyone, to have Mira here. Mira has been one of the star students in the Start Your Private Practice program. And I've really gotten to watch you come from you know eager new newcomer, newbie, to really a pretty established private practitioner. So let's talk about the beginning before we talk about like how you're doing now. Let's talk about the early parts of your career as a speech pathologist and and how you got started in the profession. So I can't believe
1: I've been an SLP for 14 years, going on 15 years next year. It's gone by really quick. I absolutely love the field. There's nothing else I would have ever wanted to do. I would tell anyone who's listening, who's debating becoming an SLP or not, do it. You'll be glad you did. We get to help people. And right now I play with kids all day. Right now I work with kids. But interestingly enough, when I first started out, I actually worked with adults for the first five years. So one of the pieces of advice I got when I was in grad school from one of my mentors at the time is to actually work with adults and then transition to working with kids later just because it's an easier transition. And now I realize it actually makes you a more marketable SLP if you can work with both populations just because not a lot of people can.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. To, to be able to comfortably and, you know, competently, you know, work with different populations is always a good thing. Right. And, you know, just staying nimble like that. So you mm-hmm. started with adults, have some experience with kids, too. When did you start thinking about private practice? So,
1: I you know, the interest I laugh because the interesting thing about that is I'm not someone who had this longtime dream of having my own business and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to start a practice. Really, it kind of just hit me during the pandemic. So the pandemic first started, and I was working in a full-time job for another practice at the time. And I obviously got the opportunity to work from home. So at the beginning, I found it tricky, and I said, okay, I don't know about this whole Zoom thing. And, you know, all of us getting used to that was kind of a difficult transition. You don't see people. But eventually, it was like, oh, my God, I don't have to drive People can't just come find me. They have to seek me out. Uh, You know, if I have a break, I can go do laundry and hey, I'm really liking this. It's, you know, less stressful. You don't have to drive and worry about things like that. So eventually I really said, okay, let me kind of think about how I can start to work from home a little bit more. And so that led me to looking into, you know, eventually looking for a full time job with a teletherapy company so I could work from home. Well, honestly, and I say this in all caps, they pay peanuts for the amount of experience that I have. I said, there is no way I can get paid 40, $50 an hour. That's just ridiculous. Like I can't accept that. And so there was actually someone in a Facebook group and I'm drawing a blank on her name, but she actually said, Hey, why don't you open your own practice? And I feel like my brother and sister-in-law said the same thing because they both have their own law firms in Houston as well. And so I feel like I just had multiple people say, hey, why not? And then so it got me to think, OK, you know, hey, that's actually really good because then I can make more money. I'll have a more flexible schedule. I can do things on my own terms.
0: That's right. And, you know, I think that happened to a lot of people. Right. I think that the pandemic has been just, you know, a, a time where people are, are reexamining their lives and thinking, you know, what are their mm. priorities? You know, and I think a priority is to be able to to work from home and like do laundry in the middle of the day. for a lot of people, (laughs) that's fantastic, right? And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's also interesting to me how, you know, some percentage of people who go into private practice have always wanted to do it. And then another pretty big percentage, it was never in their plans, but then something (laughs) happened and all of a sudden they got to thinking about it, right? So it definitely sounds like you're in the latter category. For sure. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Okay. So you have this idea, you know, you tried to maybe start with a telepractice company and you were like, not willing to work for peanuts, obviously, nor should you. And so, you know, brother and sister-in-law or or sister and brother-in-law, whoever are talking about maybe helping you start a practice. So what happened next, right? You had had this idea and then you're like, you know Mm -hmm. what? I think I'm actually going to do that. So tell us what happened next.
1: So I actually, um, you know, I'm trying to think, but sequentially speaking, I found that Northern Speech Services had a course by Jill Shook. So that was actually the first course I did, which I highly recommend. I feel like it was very informational and kind of, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I'll stress is in grad school, they don't talk about what you need to do to start a business slash private practice. I don't have an MBA. I don't know all that stuff. How am I supposed to know steps of what to do? So I found her course really helpful. And then, of course, I came across, I'm trying to remember where I found a free video that you had posted about private practice. I don't recall. But once I came across it, I said, man, I'm signing up for that course now because I really need someone who's going to help me figure out what I need to do. I don't still I mean, even if you give me the steps, like, honestly, to me, it felt overwhelming, like, okay. You know, I listened to the first course, I knew the steps of what to do, but I really wanted someone to kind of hold my hand and walk me through what to do. And I feel like with your course, like that definitely was the case. And I'm really happy that I signed up for it because, of course, you're one of the mentors, but now I don't remember how many other mentors there are in the group. But I feel like it's been a really good source of support. And I've made it this far in my practice because of all the help I've gotten from everyone. So I'm really happy.
0: Well, and I think that's important, right? Just what you said, we don't learn anything about private practice in grad school. Very few programs do. And, you know, as as professionals, you know, we're used to getting information and also having people to ask questions of, right? So Mm -hmm. can you find out information on the internet? Sure, right? But it takes a long time. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the information may or may not be accurate. But when you're able to not only have high quality information, which it sounds like you found a couple of sources for that. But one of the differences I'd say that that is true about my program is you get that ongoing support from yes. mentors who have practices yes. and are willing to answer questions. Like I literally pay them to answer questions in the Facebook group from mm-hmm. students who are you know doing these things for the very first time. So you're right. You know, SLPs typically don't have business backgrounds, and when they find mm-hmm. themselves starting businesses, there's a lot of questions. And so it's mm-hmm. really nice to be able to have people. To ask those questions of. So you join the program and you start going through the modules and checking things off the checklist. What were some of your first experiences? You know, I think you started your practice on the side of your full time job. Uh Is that right? Uh And so how did that go for you? Um, <laughs>
1: well, you know, I'm someone who I guess you could say really goes after what I want, like a real action taker. So if I explain how many things I was doing at the same time, it's going to sound crazy. And honestly, I don't know how I did it for a couple of months, but I will tell you that, you know, I did start my practice a year ago. So the LLC was formed last November. Um, And so after that, you know, I obviously start, started marketing. The, my highlight of getting my first client was in January. And in case anyone's curious, that was just through marketing on Facebook, actually, and that's how she found me. Um, And in general, I will say that most of the people who have found me actually have all been off of Facebook and then the Nextdoor app, which is another app. So all of my marketing is really done on social media. But the next piece of what's interesting is not only did I start my private practice, you know, on the side of a full time job that I was doing, I was also in the middle of planning a wedding. And we're also in the middle of looking for a house, too. Um, And I was in the middle of trying to solicit podcast interviews for the business. So there was a lot going on at the same time. But I somehow managed to push through and do it all at the same time. How, I'm not really sure. But it's possible if you want to do it.
0: That's right. It's possible. If you have a dream, you'll figure out how to make that happen, right? That's one of the things that people tell me all the time. Like, oh, well, it's it's not a good time for me to start a private practice, right? But then you hear someone like you who's like, I was doing all of these things and I figured it out. So what would you say to people who are like, I don't know if it's the right time?
1: Well, you're probably going to think there's never a right time then. So you may as well just suck it up and do it now. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but I think it's one of those imposter syndrome things. You know, you psych yourself out, you think you're not ready, and then you're going to constantly tell yourself there's never a good time. but. Um, You know, if you like find a course, you know, you find support. I think it makes it that much easier. You feel like you're not alone. I think doing this kind of thing alone is going to be very difficult. Not to say that people don't do it. I'm not someone who would have been able to do it alone, but I don't feel like most people would be able to.
0: Yeah, totally. So tell everyone, you know, what kind of clients do you work with?
1: So right now um, I work mostly with kids. I do actually have um, adult you know, I don't have any adult clients right now, but one of the areas I do specialize in is accent modification. So I can see both children and adults. Um, uh, but right now, all of my clients are pediatric uh, right now, the youngest child I'm working with is two years old, and the oldest is eighteen. so it's a pretty wide range. Um, I like the wide range because I get to work with kids for a lot of different reasons, you know, some of them, are delayed with their language, you know, sometimes we're working on articulation. Um, I do have a social skills group that I run during the week. So those are kids who have high functioning autism and we're just working on social skills. So I really like the nice mix of all the kids I work with. It's fun to me because I'm honestly never doing the same thing from session to session. It really makes me be creative and think, okay, now I'm switching gears onto something else.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, you're obviously a passionate person who has lots of, you know, interest. And so it's great that you're able to work with different populations. But also before we started recording, you were also telling me what some of the, you know, certification programs and whatnot that you've done. Right. So so that's Mm -hmm. something that I think a lot of people who are, you know, maybe thinking about private practice are like, well, you know, am I do I have the right training or whatever else? So share with the listeners about what some of the certification programs that you are doing and how you're using them through your private practice?
1: Sure. So there are a couple of certifications I got last year. Um, you know, when the pandemic first started, one of the ones I did uh, a couple of months into the pandemic was to get board certified as a telepractice specialist. So that, of course, is just about telepractice. But for me, I feel like that would teach an SLP or I don't you don't have to be an SLP to do that one. I think you can be any kind of professional, including teachers, paraprofessionals, those things like that. Um, But just teaches you basic things about telepractice. I mean, none of us were trained on how to use Zoom and, you know, how to do all these things. So to me, it was just good extra information to have. And so that to me was helpful because, you know, we were all thrown into doing teletherapy slash telepractice. And for me, it was not something I'd ever done before. So I thought the more information I can seek out, the better off I'm going to be. I'll be, quote unquote, ahead of the game, so to speak.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, remember that, right? Just like overnight, everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, how do you do?" Right? There? Right. Especially yeah. for you know populations that we previously thought you could never do telepractice with, and then all of a sudden, you mm-hmm. know, there were some really creative people out there. You know, some of yes. the SLPs who got into like the green screens and stuff like that. Like, I was always infinitely impressed with those people, right? But. I think that the cool thing to think about, you know, listeners, what Mira is saying is that you can choose what kind of clients you work with, right? You Uh can work with all kinds of different clients or you can specialize. It's completely up to you and how you want to run your private practice. So my next question is, you mentioned that you're in Houston. And Uh so what is it like being a private practitioner in a pretty big city? So Houston is a
1: very large city. I think it's the fourth largest city in the whole country. So when I say big, I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) Traffic is definitely a thing here. Yes. Um, And of course, you know, being such a big city, there are tons of private practices, you know, tons of speech therapists out there. You know, for me, it's interesting because I I really went after my dream and I didn't even think, oh, I don't have a chance because I'm in a big city. I just thought, hey, how can I make this work to still get clients when I'm in a big city? How can I market myself differently? Or what kinds of things can I offer maybe that other people are not offering? And so I think when you're in a big city, it's highly possible. I'm still successfully running my practice, you know, a couple of days a week. Even now, one year later, my first birthday actually was last week, actually, which is exciting. Um, So, yeah, you... Thank you. You just have to think more creatively. You have to look at whether other people are offering. And again, you know, going through your course, I had the chance to look at all these other local practice websites and see what are people doing? How much are they charging? Although a lot of people don't post how much they charge. But basically, when you go through 20, 25 web pages of what all you know local SLPs are doing, it gives you a pretty good idea of what people are doing, what they're not doing. How can you corner the market a little bit You know, can you do private pay? Do you need to start with insurance? You know, can you do both? I mean, it it gives you a lot of information. I think you really have to do your research uh, more so when you're in a bigger city.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, what listeners, what Mira is talking about is I have everyone do a market analysis so that you can see, you know, what are other people offering? And I Mm -hmm. think probably the some people, although I talk about this in the video content, like, to not be intimidated by that right that it's about research and so the point is not to scare people off because one right. of the things that SLPs sometimes get a little bit nervous about is the idea of competition right so mm-hmm. here's jenna telling you like look at all of your you know air quotes competitors to see what they're offering so mm-hmm. that you can stand out not mm-hmm. so that you become you know afraid and think oh my goodness why did i do this right you know, I talk a lot about having an abundance mindset and thinking that there's plenty of clients to go around. I mean, listeners, do you know people who are stuck on wait lists or going without services? Yes. This is why I'm on a mission to help so many SLPs start private practices because we know that people in every community across America are not getting access to the services that they need. Okay. Sorry to get on my soapbox there, but Mira did something really cool, which is that she connected with a lot of the students in Start Your Private Practice in the Houston area. So, Mira, tell us a little bit about how that developed and how it's working out.
1: So a couple of months ago, I got the idea that I wanted to collaborate or I wanted to, you know, kind of work with or meet other local private practitioners who are also in the start group. So what I actually did is I started a group for Houston and actually not just for Houston, we started a whole Texas group. And now what's happened is on Facebook Messenger, we have different groups for each city. So there's an Austin one, there's a San Antonio one, there's a Dallas-Fort Worth one, and there's a Houston one. But I can tell you the Houston one is, oh gosh, I don't even know how many private practitioners we have on it now. Uh, I would say 20 or probably more at this point. The group has grown over time. But the thing I love about it is that we all are constantly referring to each other. We ask each other questions and everybody is trying to help each other. So I really appreciate that support. And it's really nice. And I did get to meet one of the um, people from that group in person, which was really cool, too.
0: I love that. And again, you know, this is part of the new way of being in private practice, right? It's not about competitors. It's not about trying to get as many patients as possible and keep them on your wait list. Right. It's like, you know, there are certain specialties that you have and certain specialties Mm -hmm. that other people have. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if feeding therapy is not your thing and you get a feeding referral, you're going to want to know where you can send that person. Right. Exactly. Uh They get like an accent mod one and they're like, Oh my gosh, I have no idea what to do with that. Right. Then maybe they'll contact Mira and that will be, Mm -hmm. you know, an extension of her practice. That way. But there's a lot of, you know, I had a guest on one of the first episodes of the podcast was was with Zach Smith, who lived in Los Angeles. I think he now lives someplace else. But nonetheless, in LA, there also was a very similar Facebook group where practitioners were sending people referrals. And it was, you know, working out for everybody, the the business owners and the patients who needed services, right? So I love this. Uh Cool. So Tell us a little bit more too about, you know, you're, you're pretty lucky in that you have some wonderful people supporting you and your practice. So share with our listeners, what are some of those supports and and what does it look like?
1: So definitely my husband has been a very big cheerleader and continues to be every day for me, which is amazing. And he definitely helps me very much with the creative thinking. And so sometimes it's like, oh, I can't fit one more person in my schedule, but then how can I make it happen if I shift things around? And so it really gets me to think creatively, you know, you really need someone to help you think outside the box sometimes. So that's really helpful. My parents, you know, just support me all the time. They've listened to every single podcast interview I've done. They're just constantly encouraging me. And, you know, they're just, I mean, I couldn't have started a business without them. I Pretty much couldn't do anything I do in life without them. They've always supported me in everything I do. I'm very lucky. My mother-in-law and father-in-law have also been supporting me as well, which has been so nice. And my mother-in-law and I are friends on Facebook, and she literally will share any post that I post about from the business or on my personal profile, even though she's in Kentucky. You know, I just love that she's always supporting me. And that's been so encouraging for me. My brother and sister-in-law, as I mentioned before, are my quote unquote legal counsel. So they help me with all kinds of legal things. And they encouraged me, you know, even way before I started the LLC last year to start my own business. You know, they were like, hey, why don't you do that during the summer? You know, you would get a second source of income and that could be really good for you. And so, yeah, so they had mentioned it a long time before I had even actually gone with it last year.
0: Well, and it's so important to have supporters in your life. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're lucky. I've also been lucky with, with people to support me. Right. And there's some people listening who have that support and there's some people listening who don't, right. If you don't know that, like, I'm the kind of person who can support you, right. The people who are in the Mm -hmm. start your private practice group, Mira is in that group is very active. And I just want to say, thank you, Mira, for always being such a wonderful cheerleader for our students, whenever people post things, you're always one of the first people to jump in and cheer for them. And you also share a lot of tips, right? If you learn something, you're like, let me post about this cool thing that I learned and how I marketed something or whatever. And so I think that's the kind of culture that we want to develop, our SLPs, helping SLPs start mm-hmm. businesses. So I think that that's fantastic. But one of the other things that I was gonna say about support is again, is just how important it is and how sometimes the people who are around you might be encouraging you to start businesses, and mm-hmm. you maybe have said no because either imposter syndrome or this you know thing that some SLPs think, well, I need an MBA before I can do it, which is not true, right? right? No, but, if, <laughs> but you don't if need you one. Have, you don't need one. But listeners, if there are people in your life who have been nudging you to maybe you know start thinking about a private practice, you know, after work or like you know, Mira said over the summer. Like, listen to them, right? Listen Mm -hmm. to them and think, you know what? It's maybe not as complicated as I thought, right? This is my whole mission is to make this as easy for people to get started as possible. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've been a listener to the podcast, you know that regular people, regular SLPs like Mira, who had no intention of starting a private practice, have been able to (laughs) have celebrated your one-year anniversary. Congratulations again. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love that. so what are you what are your plans now that you're one year in? What are your mm-hmm. plans for the next you know six months to a year, your second year in private practice?
1: So one of the things I've thought about recently is that I would definitely like to hire someone to outsource social media management. Um, I yeah. think that would be really nice um, because as, someone who's, you know, the SLP, seeing all the kids and, you know, doing all the marketing and keeping up with calling people, emailing people, I think it'd be nice to be able to outsource that. So I have more time, you know, to do all those other things that are important too. Um, Aside from that, I would like to get to the point where I can hire another SLP, you know, get more clients in the door and be able to expand my business. That's definitely a big goal of mine as well. And I'm excited to see when that will come. And I can tell you that, you know, all these milestones just within the first year, I feel like for me, all happened a lot quicker than I thought they would. So, I mean, it's kind of anyone's game and when those next things will happen.
0: And you started this during a global pandemic, right? So it's not like you started your practice at like, you know, the easiest time or something like that. (laughs) No, not at all. This has been a challenging time, right? For, I mean, for everybody, but. You know, I think mm-hmm. so many people think like, "Oh gosh, like, is now really a good time to start a private practice?" And like, yeah, it actually is because there's a lot it of is. people who need services. Mm-hmm.
1: And okay. it's you know, you mentioned that a lot of people do need services, and I can tell you, even though Houston's a big city and there are tons of SLP practices around, people who have their own private practices. I've heard lots of people tell me that a lot of places have long wait lists. So, yes, that really is a thing for anyone listening. I live in a big city. I live in Houston. I've had many parents tell me, you know, whether they're looking for an insurance provider or not, just across the board, even for other things, too, like for an autism evaluation, for speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy. So, I mean, the the need is out there for sure,
0: probably no matter where you live. the the need is out there on the client side. And the need is also Mm -hmm. out there for speech language pathologists who, who feel Mm -hmm. like they want more, right. Or something different going on in their life. What what would you say, how has private practice or being in private practice changed your life from like, from those point of view, right? Like what kind of either, you know, I talk about freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. How has that changed your life? Well,
1: I think it's amazing that you can make your own schedule. I am not a morning person. So I literally will see my first client no earlier than 10am. But I'll go until about 6pm. So I can still see my after school kiddos. So for me, that schedule works for me. I love those hours. It's, you know, the flexibility is amazing. I mean, if I have a doctor's appointment or some family event or something else that I need to do, I just schedule around that. And I find that the parents that I work with are extremely accommodating. So to give a very specific personal example, my dad actually had surgery last week. And we didn't know very much ahead of time which day it was going to be. But once I found out, of course, I'm very close to my parents, I very much wanted to be there. And I found that moving stuff around was very easy. The parents I work with were extremely accommodating and even asked how my dad was feeling after Words. And so I just really appreciate having that flexibility, being there with my family when I really wanted to be there and it was very important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd say flexibility is like the number one thing that SLPs say that they want, right? Because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us get into this career because we're told it's flexible. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's usually not really unless, like you know, in schools or in hospitals. Like I used to work in hospitals and it is not flexible. And it's so, not. you know, you're right. It's not, <laughs> it's not. And so, you know, if you want to have a life, if you want to be able to be there for your parents or, you know, for people mm-hmm. with children or, you know, or just for yourself, if you want to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, go to yoga in the middle of the day or something, like it's really, really nice to be able to set your own schedule and have your own hours. And just like you said, like our mm-hmm. clients are really, really accommodating and like they understand that you have a life and that you have, mm-hmm. you know, people that you need to take care of too. And so, I think that, that that's really, really important. So as we start to close, is there any last pieces of advice that you would give to, you know, somebody listening who's like, wow, that, that mirror is very impressive, <laughs> um, but I'm not sure if I can do it, right? So what would you tell people who might be doubtful about their ability to start a private practice?
1: So first of all, you know, I think anyone can do it. And if that is your ultimate goal, During the global pandemic or not, I think now is a good time to start. And, you know, like you mentioned, yes, during the global pandemic, not only have I myself successfully started a practice, I don't even know how many other people are in the start group and they've all been doing the same thing too. Lots, a lot. We'll say a very large number. Yes. We've
0: had over a thousand join since the pandemic started.
1: Wow. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I would say for anyone listening, just take the first step and say, yes, I can do it and figure out how you can start. And it doesn't mean that you have to do everything at the same time. But I think if you make a small goal, let's say, for example, weekly, I'm someone who likes small short term goals that are very measurable. Okay, so this week I signed up for a course so that I can figure out what the heck I'm supposed to do, for example, you know, because I feel like that's one of the things. And I'll see a lot of people in all these other groups that I'm in, SLP groups what do I need to do? And I just think, well, what you need to do is sign up for a course because you're
0: not going to know what to do otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, it's not through anyone's fault. Like we just, we don't learn this stuff in grad school. And so, right. you know, that's really the reason why I started the Start Your Private Practice program was to be almost like a grad level course that, mm-hmm. you, that you didn't get, right? I, I often call it the missing course that you wish yes. you had in grad school. Yes, cool, that's what it is, cool, though. <laughs> that is what it is. And the cool thing is, is you can earn money from it, right? Think of all the grad classes. Like some of them were great, but some of mm-hmm. them you never used, but you had to pay for yes. it because it, yes. it was a requirement, right? And so think mm-hmm. of this, listeners, like an elective that will teach you how to actually earn as an SLP, not just how mm-hmm. to be an SLP, right? But, and
1: what I like about it is that it breaks things down step by step and makes it very easy so that you know what you need to do.
0: Yeah. Right. Because again, people don't don't know what to do and it's through no fault of their own. So, so, you know, I figured it out and we figured out how to make it simpler for everybody, step by step checklists and everything else. And then we have the mentors to answer, you know, the questions and everything. And so, you know, I love being on the podcast with students who have been in the program like Mira because like, I remember when she joined, right? Like I remember when yeah. people you know first joined and some of their first questions, and then all of a sudden they really start to gain traction. And now mm-hmm. the fact that you're talking about hiring, you know, a, a clinician and or like a social media person or virtual assistant, like that is so fulfilling. And to think you can do that one year later, right? Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> profitable one year later, right? Everyone says that it takes years to be profitable. Well, we can Mm -hmm. actually be profitable from like basically the very beginning, right? And so I think that's really, really important for people to know.
1: The other thing I wanted to say is just be sure, especially if you're in a big city, but I think no matter where you are, just make sure that you do your market research. Because for me, I feel like that was really helpful to figure out. Okay, so one of the things I want to mention is when I first started my practice, I thought, oh, I'm only gonna do teletherapy only, right? Because COVID was, I mean, it's still a thing now, unfortunately. But at the time, it you know, the pandemic had just started, it was a couple of months, it's like none of the vaccines were out. And so I thought, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. However, I will highlight that that has definitely changed over time. I would say that out of my week now, probably 70% of what I'm doing is in-home visits, and 30% of what I'm doing is online. So The reason I mentioned that is because I think especially as a business owner, as a CEO, it's really important to be flexible and to kind of look at what people are asking for. So I figured out that people were starting to ask me for in-home, but the fact that I wasn't offering that was kind of hindering my business. So my husband and I talked about it and we, you know, worked a way around it. So now what I do is for an in-home visit, I charge a travel fee because I'm providing a service. I'm going to someone's home versus if I'm Doing a session online, it's a little bit cheaper because I don't have the gas and the extra time involved.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the kind of decision that you get to make, right? That's Mm -hmm. something else that I I hear hear people say, you know, like, well, like, are people doing telepractice? Are they doing in person? Are they doing? And it's like, you get to pick, right? Like, it's Uh not like a job that you get hired for someone else and they tell you what to do. Like mm-hmm. when you're the business owner, you know, there, there are lots of people in my program who never thought they do telepractice and then they had to, and they're loving it, right? They're mm-hmm. loving it mm-hmm. and they want to continue that way. There's other yeah. people who are like, this is not for me. It was fine for a while, but it's not for me and it's not for the people I want to serve. I want to go back to doing, you know, in person in a careful way. And then there's other people who do a mix of both. And so you get mm-hmm. to decide, What works for you and what works for your community? And I love, Mm -hmm. Mira, how you talked about being flexible, right? Because, you know, not only do we want that flexibility, but we sometimes also have to be flexible for the market that we're in.
1: And sometimes that's also a little bit in terms of thinking, can I see this client or not? Well, sometimes I think we second guess ourselves. There are a couple of clients I'm seeing right now. They're not out of my scope of practice. I feel comfortable enough to see them. I mean, it's not someone who... I feel completely out of the zone. Like if someone, you know, wants to see me for feeding or fluency, those are definitely things I would refer out for. But this is for articulation or language. Yes, these are things I know I can do, even if it isn't specifically, you know, someone that I have worked with that has those same issues before, but I'm successfully doing it now. So I think it's important to kind of sit back and think, well, can I do this client justice? If not, then refer them out. But if you actually can, it's just tiny bit out of your skill set, then go for it. And you'll learn a little bit
0: more, too. I completely agree. So where can listeners find you online?
1: Um, I have most of my activity on my Facebook business page. It's Super Speech Solutions, LLC. I do also have an Instagram account, Super Speech Solutions. You can see I try to make things very easy to find me. Uh, My website is superspeechsolutions.com. And I also have a LinkedIn page, Super Speech Solutions LLC, and my email address is pretty easy. It's my first name, Mira M E E R A at superspeechsolutions So now I can't say that you can actually forget the name of my business because I just mentioned it about ten
0: times. <laughs> That's right. Well, listeners, if you if you happen to be on one of those platforms and you listen to this episode, and there was something that you know really inspired you about Mira's story send her a DM or send her a message and just say like, hey, thanks for sharing your story. You know, I think it's really important for SLPs to hear these real life stories from regular SLPs who, you know, maybe didn't even ever think about private practice, but, but who are doing it and her, who are doing it really, really well. So thank you so much, Mira, for sharing your story and for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. So much fun to be on and chat with you.
0: Okay. Isn't Mira the best? I love her drive, her dedication, and the methodical way that she started her practice as a way to serve more people on a deeper level. And of course, as we talked about earlier, I love her commitment to collaboration over competition. In addition to helping her fellow Texans get more referrals, Mira is always posting tips and strategies for all of the members of our program of the ways that she's marketing, ways that she's working more efficiently, and how she's making her private practice dreams come true. To us here at The Independent Clinician, private practice isn't just another job setting. It's a movement. It's a movement of SLPs and OTs who want more for themselves and their clients. It's a movement of clinicians who want more work-life balance, who want to earn more so that their families can have more financial independence. It's a movement driven by helping professionals who want to help people, but not at their own expense. We would love for you to join the private practice movement so that you can be part of this change too. If you want to learn more information about how we can support you on your private practice journey, please visit independentclinician.com where we have information about our free and paid resources like the Start Your Private Practice program that Mira went through that led to her success. On the website, there are links to trainings, roadmaps, links to our popular Facebook group, which you should join. It's called the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group, and it's fantastic. At the time of this recording, we have over 21,000 folks in there. Private practice can be hush-hush, but it doesn't have to be. As always, thank you for listening, and thank you for being part of the private practice movement. Come back next week to learn more tips, tricks, and success stories from regular clinicians who have now become successful private practitioners. See you soon. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at Independent Clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.